Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. Thanks for tuning me in, making me part of your spiritual journey. I trust God uses my efforts to bring edification, growth, uh, information, and encouragement to your heart. It's with great joy that uh, I carry on the podcast ministry. Today, I'm going to do a lesson called Why Do Christians Do Dumb Things? It's part of my basic Bible study discipleship program I put together many years ago. I was just thinking, I've probably taught this uh, face-to-face with maybe a thousand people. What a blessing. I almost can do it in my sleep. But as I podcast it, uh, I'm averaging over 2,000 listens per podcast right now. And I'm just thinking, man, oh man, oh man, put your hand on me today. Lord, let me do this thing with clarity and bring blessing to probably two times more people on, on, on a 30-minute podcast uh, ministering to more people than I did in 40 years doing it face-to-face. So here goes. Hope it's a blessing. Why do Christians do dumb things? You know, there's two sides to this uh daunting question. Number one, when I look out and see many professing believers in Jesus who live completely outside of everything Christ commanded them to do, well, that's been a reality for a long time. This is the easy part of the question. We'll hit it in a moment. Number two, and this is the tough part, when I look inside myself and realize, as the Apostle Paul said of himself in Romans 7.24, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And of course, the answer to that is Jesus. Jesus will deliver us. Which we back up a couple verses in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, where Paul says about himself, and he's a giant in the faith. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do, oh, wretched man that I am. I like to call this every Christian's greatest battle. If you're in this battle, it means you're a Christian. If you're not in this battle, it means you've not been saved yet. Let's start with the easy part. You don't have to look hard to find hypocrites. Uh, They aren't a new phenomenon. Jesus pointed them out as they were plentiful in his day as well. Mostly, they were the religious ones who used their religion to exalt themselves and look down upon others. Many used their Jewish religion to gain wealth. Uh, God's glory was not even in their minds. It was all about personal gain. Gain is godliness in their minds. These were the ones who hated Jesus the ones who hated him the most, for he wouldn't follow them. And Jesus uncovered their sin. He uncovered their hypocrisy. This ugly reality is what motivated my favorite dukeism. Don't let people mess you up about God. Let God straighten you out about people. One of the most important pastoral warnings to our flocks, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes off men. People will mostly disappoint you in the end over time, but God will always be your unchangeable rock and refuge. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Easy to say it, hard to do it. So many have said in their failure of this big early 
people test. I'm not going to go to church. There's too many hypocrites there. Well, I'd agree with you. One hypocrite's too many, but I'm like, come on, man. That doesn't keep you from going to the mall. It doesn't keep you out of the grocery stores. What a sad and lame excuse. Why let phonies keep you away from God's blessing? Think about it. Where would be the best place for a hypocrite to land? At church, where they'll get their socks preached off. They'll be confronted. They'll be exposed. So if there's a hypocrite in the church, that's a good thing. Just to get in his face and show him his sin. Don't let him keep you away from God. That's foolishness. That's silly. Let's grow up. After we get past this simple people test and pay no mind to fake Christians, I mean, didn't Jesus warn us that it would be? In our paths, those who say one thing and do another. He closed out his Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Did not our Lord warn us that there would be both false teachers and false Christians? Smart people, biblically minded people, expect it. And when we see it, we tune it out. We commit them to the Lord let them be his problem and not my problems. Jesus had Judas, who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied him three times, and all the rest of his team fled him in fear the night of his arrest. Why should we think we deserve better than our Lord? Now for the hard part. The sincere and painful look within. I remember today as if it were yesterday a prayer I prayed two Sunday nights after I got saved. I was saved on June 18th, 1972, so this prayer was July 2nd, 1972. I was laying on our living room floor, which was way cooler than my bedroom in the pre-air conditioning days back in Ohio. I was learning to pray from my heart, not just a now I lay me down to sleep prayer, our Father which art in heaven prayer. I was just learning that it was okay to start talking with my new found Savior. I had been radically delivered from the alcohol and drug lifestyle. I had a brand new heart and uh, no desire to go back to the filth of this world. I had a new fire in my heart to live for God, to hide his word in my heart, to share Jesus with all of my friends and family. I had a new song. I had conviction of sin. I wanted to walk close to Jesus and be like Jesus. And as I laid there praying and praising that night, I realized I'm still capable of being really stupid. There was still an ugly old nature inside of me. I didn't know the theology of it yet, which I'm going to share with you here in a moment, but it was an evident reality. I was still tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, even though I didn't yet know these verses. It was just kind of coming out as the spirit had come to live inside of me. I was embarrassed about it before the Lord. I still remember my newborn believer, little but huge prayer to God that night. Quote, Lord, I'm so glad you saved me, but you know, and I know, I'm still stupid. Please don't let me run from you. And if I ever do, please catch me. Well, in the province of God, I did sort of run away from the Lord a little bit. November, December uh, that year. 
But uh, he answered my prayer. He caught me. He broke me in his calling into ministry, and I surrendered. And the rest has been uh, a battle, but a parade of, of victories. And I'm so thankful. But right on, I was in that battle. So are you. I'm still in that battle. It won't go away till Jesus comes. We'll talk about that at the end. I was getting past the foolishness of others and focusing on my own depravity. I was experiencing the teaching of Jesus when he said, consider not the beam in thy brother's eye, but consider the beam that is in your own eye. This is a basic test that every true believer in Jesus must pass before you can grow into that beautiful Christian maturity. Let me say that again, that we can continue to grow into that beautiful Christian maturity. I think of Apollo 11 astronauts messaging back to Earth, Houston, we have a problem. So Christian friend, we have a problem on the inside. Forget about others and look inside. There are many biblical terms for our problem. The most commonly used in the Bible is the flesh. Secondly would be the Adamic nature. Romans 5, 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all for all have sinned. That's where the sinful nature came from, from Adam's fall. And that sinful nature is passed on through the man to his children. And uh, that's why Jesus was born of a virgin. He had no earthly father. He had no sinful nature. A lot of theology wrapped up in all of that. It's called the Adamic nature, the flesh. A third title, the old man, a fourth title, the carnal nature, four names for the same problem that we all have. Reality is my old man, my old nature wants to rule me. He wants his way. He wants to be first. He wants to be biggest. He wants to be best. He wants to use other people to make self look good. It's exactly what was destroying me in my before Christ days. And it didn't go away when Jesus came into my heart. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Jesus did come in by his Holy Spirit. He gave me a new nature called by several biblical different terms, the new man and simply called the spirit. When we are saved, our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says, Ephesians 1, 13, ye were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Think about this. This is great news. This is a huge and comforting promise. The biblical reference here our Lord is using is talking about the legal seals made by ancient kings. They sealed the decrees with a signet ring and the deal was signed, now sealed, which made it irreversible. The Lord doesn't come in and go out. He just comes in and stays. I will never leave you or forsake you. Thank you, Lord. Let that warm your heart from time to time. We can grieve the Holy Spirit as we yield to our flesh, but we can please the Holy Spirit when we walk in obedience. When we forsake him, uh, when we give into the lust of the flesh. He will convict us. If necessary, he will chasten us. And if necessary, he will um, even turn us over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. We read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, one disobedient church member, a professing Christian, 
who was uh, sexually involved with his own mother. I'm sure the Spirit convicted him, but he didn't listen. I'm sure the Spirit chastened him, but there was no repentance, and God ultimately said he would turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, but the Spirit would be saved in the day of judgment. He didn't lose his salvation, but he clearly lost his life. Don't mess with God. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. In that text, the church was also strongly rebuked for not taking action to cover this situation. They should have confronted that man, but they swept it under the rug. And God brought judgment upon that church for that, for their stupidity as well. That was kind of a New Testament tragic situation. But in the end, they listened and they got it. And that's the good news that came from that. So all true believers have a constant battle going on inside our hearts. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you want. In other words, you can't do this on your own. Here is the key. Christianity is not our power to imitate Jesus It is God's power to conform us to the image of his dear son. God's power is unlimited. My power is extremely limited. God wants us cashing in on his power to experience the divine nature. We might say, let go and let God. I memorized this little paragraph from a book called The Saving Life of Christ by Major Ian Thomas in 1975. Quote, Jesus rose from the dead that he might come and live inside of us to take the place of what we are, to trade his love for our lust, his grace for our greed, his plenty for our poverty, his wisdom for our folly out of myself and into thyself. Jesus, I come to thee. Jesus used the words to Nicodemus, you must be born again, a new spiritual birth, his spirit now in us bearing record of his presence by changing us from within a new heart, a new outlook, new desires, a cleansed mind, a love for God's word, a burden for those who know not our Lord. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Second Corinthians five seventeen, Ephesians 2, 1, God says he has quickened us by his spirit. That's an old English word, which means to make us alive, spiritual birth, spiritual life, alive in Christ. Peter called it partakers of his divine nature. Jesus said, in that day you will know that as the Father is in me and I am in you. This ain't religion. This is holy and powerful relationship. Religion can only reform you. Jesus will transform you. Eyes off self and self-struggles to our eyes on him and his victories. I think we all wonder why God would leave this old carnal nature inside of us. He could have taken it all away the moment we trusted Christ, but he chose not to. He promises to remove this nature from us, the old sinful Adamic flesh, when he returns. But until then, we continue to war in the flesh. I think I found the answer in the scriptures. I think I found the answer to that question. For me, the answer is in Romans 8, 20. 
I'm going to read the verse to you straight out, and I doubt you'll see it. Uh, then I'll break it down, and I think you're going to have a heavenly aha moment. Here we go. Here's the verse. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Now the simple breakdown. For the creature, uh, who's that? Uh, I think that would be you. I think that would be me. Was made. Who made us? Uh, I'm pretty confident God did. Did he know what he was doing? Uh, I would say screaming, yes. He knew exactly what he was doing. Well, how did he make us? Next couple words, subject to vanity. That might be a bit of an understatement. He made us subject to vanity. That's our old self, our fallen nature, the flesh. Then the next words as he kind of gets into his reason. Not willingly. I don't like being subject to vanity. It makes me selfish. It makes me lazy. It makes me do dumb things. I would run to any altar where I could rid myself once and for all from this flesh. I would memorize any creed that would take away this sinful nature. But there is no such altar. There is no creed that can fix this. In myself, I would view this as a problem. But in the spirit, it looks more like an opportunity. Watch. Next few words. But by reason of him, God knows exactly what he is doing. And he is a good, good father. He has a sacred and holy reason for subjecting us to this vanity. Here we go. Last two words. In hope. God is a relational God, the God of love, the God of affection. He calls Christ the groom. He calls his church the bride, affection. God wants a strong and dependent relationship. God made us this way temporarily, still in the flesh, just for a while, in hope, in hope that we would lean in on him as we realize our own weakness and hope that we realize we need him. And as we look to him for everything, he will be there for us with everything that we need and not necessarily everything we want. He doesn't want us to be spoiled kids. He wants us looking to him for our daily bread to be renewed in him daily in our inner man. And that thrills me. This is beautiful. This is what makes worship so much fun. On a daily basis, we don't face anything alone. He's with us. He's in us. Isn't that exactly the how and why we parent? We know up front when we bring kids into this world, they're going to completely take over our lives. They're going to cost us a lot of money. They're going to cost us a lot of sleep. They're going to pile up the dirty diapers. They can completely break our hearts and even ruin our lives. But we bring them into the world, into our lives on purpose. We bring them into our lives anyway. Why? In hope, in hope that one day in time they'll get it. After we've poured into them our love, our affection, our resources, unconditional love, kissing boo-boos, teaching them this, rebuking them for that, providing for this, someday along the line, they'll get it and they'll reciprocate. They'll love us back and we experience the fabulous thing called family, parenting and children growing up calling us blessed. We bring them into the world in hope. 
same as God, leaves us with the old nature in hope. Children dependent upon us, us dependent upon our Father. I think you're getting it. He's our Heavenly Father. We are born again into his family. Jesus becomes closer than a brother. And even in the church, other believers, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a relational thing. It's an affection thing. You know, if God would have removed the old nature the moment we believe, we would barely need him. We could do it on our own. All we would have then would be religion, a list of do's and don'ts. That ain't the way God rolls. He wants us to abide in him. He wants us to walk in the spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's one of my favorite illustrations of all time on how the battle works and so easy it can be won. So we have a big uh, cage uh, inside the cage. We have two strong, aggressive German shepherds, dogs, one black, one white, vying for power, control, dominion of that shared territory inside that cage. They are seemingly equal in strength, and the battle as they fight are horrific. You think they're going to kill one another. Uh, it just won't stop. You, you, you yell at them. You break up the fights. It seems okay for a while, then whammo, another horrific fight. So you don't know who's going to win that thing. So you take action. You let the black dog out of the cage early one morning. You feed it. You water. You exercise it. You give nothing to the white dog. You repeat this for five days. Black dog fed, watered, strengthened, white dog nothing, weakened and ignored. On the sixth day, you leave them both in the cage. About midday, you throw in a big chunk of meat, and immediately the fight is on again. The outcome this time is sure. You know in advance that the black dog will win the day. Why? It has been fed. It has been strengthened. All the while, the white dog was starved, ignored, and weakened. So there you go. Feed the new man every day. Starve the old man every day. The first morning after I was saved would be June 19, 1972. I got up at dawn about 5 a.m. in Ohio. It's almost summer solstice. I wanted to get some dirty work out of the way before my mom woke up and saw what I was doing. I emptied out a drawer full of pornography that I had collected all through my high school years. I took it all out to the burn barrel. Remember the burn barrels in those days? Today you go to prison for that. Nobody told me at church, now you're a Christian, you need to do this. You need to burn your pornography. But the new man, the Holy Spirit inside of me, said getting this out of my life is important. Do it immediately. And the first thing I did that morning, I got up, I cleaned house. I didn't know any verses yet. I didn't know the verses where Jesus said, look not upon a woman to lust after her if you committed adultery with her already in your heart. I didn't know that verse yet, but the spirit was inside of me, prompting me and moving me. And I knew that something had happened on the inside. Immediately, I started starving the old dog. I remember dumping an ounce and a half of uh, marijuana down the toilet. <laughs> My brothers were there. They were crying. Give it to us. Give it to us. No, I'm not going to give it to you. I was cleaning house. I was beginning to starve the old dog. Instead of porn, I started reading the Bible, feeding the new dog. This ain't rocket science. It's not deep theology. It's just simple 
obedience to the word of God and yielding to the Holy Spirit as he convicts us of sin of righteousness and judgment. When we obey, we please the Lord. When we disobey, we grieve the Lord. As we obey, we please him. His favor comes more abundantly upon us, and we're walking in the Spirit, and he's beginning to guide our lives and take us to much better places than we ever have been before. Escalation says, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just look each day uh, separately. Be strategic every day. Be purposeful every day. Start each day feeding the Spirit. Get passionately into the Word of God in a meaningful way. Be creative in your daily devotional. Make church, make Bible studies, make serving in your church central to your life. Find your spiritual gifts and exercise them. Be a blessing to others. Starve the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh, the Bible says. Clean house of anything that would embarrass you before the Lord. We can't hide anything from him anyway. Clean it out. Get rid of the wrong books, the wrong music, the wrong movies, the wrong TV shows. Stay out of the bars, the drug parties. Stay out of the gossip sessions at work. Get the energy takers out of your life. Get new, godly, uh, growing Christians into your life to hold you accountable, to grow together in faith. Feed the right spirit. Starve the wrong. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And we teach our kids this little song. It's it's simple and it's sweet, but it is so so powerful. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. And then the next verse, watch TV and play all the time, play all the time, play all the time. Watch TV and play all the time, and you shrink, 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 and you shrink, shrink. Uh, anyway, you can see why God called me to preach and not to sing. <laughs> it's really simple. Growing in Christ is a lifetime. There's ups, there's downs. You get knocked out of the saddle. Get back into the saddle. He'll lift you up. First John 1, 8, 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, the Satan, Satan will hit you up. You, you confess. You still feel dirty. You still feel guilty. That's just the devil working on your mind. God forgives us. He says he does when we confess it. Don't listen to the devil message with you. Don't follow your feelings. Follow the word of God. He forgives us. When we sin, confess it. Confess it quick. When we hurt someone, apologize. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Show repentance. When people sin against us, forgive them. Well, they didn't come and say they're sorry. Forgive them anyway. Why would you want to carry that burden around? Just forgive people. It's the basics that will make you or break you in the end. Oh, he that does not long to know more of Christ knows nothing of him yet, C.H. Spurgeon said. As a kid, I so wanted to make my parents proud when I brought home my gray card. Uh, when I was on the ball field, I wanted to make my mom and dad proud of me. But how much more now our Heavenly Father, pleasing him, it's the ultimate in life achievement. Oh, to hear him say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little things. I'll make you ruler over much. 
some play this little game with God. You know, I'll give so I can get from God. It's not that way at all. That's a devil's perversion of truth. It's just love God. Do the next right thing for no earthly reward. Seek you first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. We don't live for things. We're not owned by things. But when he gives us these things because we've been faithful, he meets our needs, we're thankful for him and we give him praise for it, but we're not owned by it. We have a freedom. We're not We're not materialistic. We're just uh, enjoying who he is and what he has called us to do in this life. So I hope that helps. <laughs> Why do Christians do dumb things? It's our nature. Hey, our eyes got to be off people. Our eyes have to be on the Lord. It's pretty simple. Let's do it. You know, we will gloriously lose this ugly old nature when our Lord returns. When we shall see him, the Bible says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. These corruptible bodies will put on incorruption. Death will be swallowed up in victory. These sinful bodies cannot enter into heaven. So at the rapture of the church, we get our glorification, that part of our salvation, the final part. We lose the sinful nature. We get new bodies like unto his incorruptible body. Hey, I hope you recognized me on the other side. Oh, hallelujah. What a savior. What a plan. What a future. Hey, thanks for tuning me in today. I pray that you'll share this with your friends, subscribe, inscribe, all that kind of stuff. Help me to multiply the preaching of the Word of God through podcasts to the ends of the earth. Hey, Jesus loves you. So do I. Bye-bye for now.